Man, well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing good. Awesome. Thrilled to be with you again. Man, I want to just, uh, you know, this past week we had the opportunity again. One of the, uh, the things, you know, that we have going on here is called Impacting Canada Ministries. And it's a network for other pastors and leaders and church leaders. And we just had an opportunity to gather this past week. And I'll tell you, we just, we got slammed with the Lord. And it was like the best kind of slamming that you could think of. It was just delicious. And I want to just thank you. I know there's those of you that prayed and that were kind of standing with us just to make sure that pastors were loved on and experienced the presence of God. Well, they did. So I just wanted to give that quick report that there was a lot of encouragement that took place. And a lot of people that I know got some direction setting going into this next season. I mean, we need to be fresh. And what I love about the presence of the Lord, it says you can actually get refreshed. And what's so wonderful about God, because when you ever, anybody ever walk into like a, you know, a vegetable section or something like that in a grocery store, and you're looking for the fresh fruit or the fresh veggies, correct? And the thing about it, you can't refresh. I know sometimes they kind of put that mist and stuff on that to make it appear fresh. Well, the good thing about the presence of God, it doesn't just throw a little bit of a mister on you so you kind of look like you're fresh, and meanwhile you're a drag on the inside. When the presence of God gets you, get, when you get into the presence of God, it has the ability to refresh you like no other place. And so I want to encourage you, and I, that's where you and I are called to live in. That's where you and I are called to be from, operate from, is His presence, and it is completely open to you and I because of what Jesus has done. Amen. So aren't we thankful for our King this morning? Can we just take a moment, just, to, with our, just aligning our hearts, just on the inside, like, Jesus, thank you. Father, we are so in love with you, so grateful for who you are, what you've done, all that you accomplished in your death, in your burial, and your resurrection. Jesus, we have life only because of you. We are alive today spiritually in our soul and in these bodies because of what you've done. We give you all the credit. We give you all the glory. It's not by our own might, our own science even out there. It's because of you that we're even healthy today, that we have strong immune systems, that we got strong souls and we're thinking clearly. God, thank you. We are so grateful that your word came to give us life. Your word came to give us light. And in fact, your word came to heal us. And we are so grateful for that this morning. And Lord, we ask you as we come before your word, Holy Spirit, we look to you. Our eyes are fixed on you as the teacher and the perfecter of the church. And we are hungry to hear what you've got to say. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are alive on every single one of us. And we thank you so much that you will illuminate and enlighten our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see what you need us to see today. We will not be the same, but we will continue to move on in goodness and in your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's begin this. Uh, I just had this, you know, a couple weeks ago, just some things that were stirring in my heart, just talking about authority. The position because of what Jesus has done again for us, but you've received a position, you've received authority because of what Jesus has done. And I want to again read you this word that came in 1980, specifically in April of 1980. And this word, I want to read it, I read it a couple of weeks ago, but I want to read it to you again today because it's crucial because we're seeing those times in these seasons right now. This is from a gentleman named Kenneth E. Hagan. For those of you who heard him, for those who do not, he was a prophet of God really from the 30s on. Like, I mean, the man passed away, I believe, in 2001. Tremendous ministry, tremendous man of God that walked with God and really brought powerful truths to the body of Christ worldwide. And this is one of the visions that he had that the Lord gave him or sorry, not visions, the word that the Lord gave him in 1980, and says this, the end of the age is coming upon this generation. The powers of darkness, the forces of evil, are rampant as never before, and they will be increased in intensity and velocity. 
And now even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, oh, there is no use. Throw up their hands in futility and say, well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly because the devil is about to take everything over. Anybody ever said that before? I know I have. I was guilty of that too. And I'm thankful the Lord arrested me on that. We're not here. We don't have that mindset here, correct? Okay. You're just saying that because you had to, right? But you also meet it on, on the inside. But then I want you to say, okay, this is what the Lord's saying. But thus saith the Lord, in this day I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness and the light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free and prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds, their spirits, and their bodies. Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. It must be hurriedly, it must be. Quickly it must be that they learn that they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that would try and come against the land, against the church, against the home, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good and all that God has endorsed. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen, and to the urge of God in the Spirit, to those who are attentive, they will pray. The Spirit of God will help you to pray. Do not try to do it on your own. Though there must be a labor on your part, yet at the same time rest in him. Let the Spirit flow through you like a river, like a mighty wave. Let it flow through you. Give vent to those innermost groanings. Let them escape your lips. Take the time to get alone and wait. Sometimes not even saying anything, but on the inside of you there is an agonizing. There is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the great spirit, the Father of spirits. And thou shalt be sustained, thou shalt be kept, and thy family and thy home will be sure and stand fast, and thy children shall grow up strong and faithful in the Lord, and they shall have no fear. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Now there's a lot in that, and I want to just take the time just to unpackage this whole part of it. I mean, there's, there's so much that you can say in this. But this is something the Lord's been stirring on the inside of me that I believe is for us as a church family is that we come to understand the authority that Christ gave us. Not only, I mean, you probably may have heard it before, authority, but then good, I want to remind you again of the position and the place and the authority that you have because of what Jesus has done for us. So over the course of this time, again, I'm not, I don't have three or four weeks planned in the head. I just kind of know what's kind of coming up right now. Right now I know what we're doing today. Next week, we'll have its own issues, and we'll figure out by then. But right now, we're just going to take this time, and I really want to unpack this, not go too fast, but we really find out, God, what are you saying? What needs to be understood in our hearts that we can continue to move forward? Now, it is crucial for us that we are aware, first and foremost, that heaven has an agenda. If you, just, if you stop and just really thought about that for a moment, heaven has a plan. Heaven has an agenda, and it's in twofold. Number one, we know this, that God, kind of even what Danielle was encouraging us this morning, he has a plan for your life. We, we've, we've, you've heard that? God's got a good plan for your life. Well, let me just read you one verse. I don't have it on the screen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. This is the ultimate plan. It says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chose them, he called them to come to him. 
And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. That is the ultimate purpose for you in my life, is that to you and I, we are to look just like him. Of course, God's got, God's got great plans for your, for your prosperity. He's got plans for your goodness, your his blessing, protection over your family. All of those things are incorporated, and it's wonderful. I mean, you can read throughout Scripture God's good plans that he has for us. Psalm even 139, verse 16 even tells us that God, before I even took my first breath, that my days were already written up in your book. Not a single day passed unless you've already seen it. He already knows what October 25th looks like. It's already been written down. So what do I want to do is I want to find out, God, what do you have for me? What did you write about me in your journal? Because when I can find out what he wrote about me, that just changes the way life is. It changes the way that I live my life. Now, on top of all that, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. You know, there's another scripture, I believe, in Psalm chapter 90. You can look it up sometime. But it says, God, let us recall or let us know the time of our days. Basically saying, our days are short. Let us know how short our days are so we can become wise. There's something about it. Even the very month, Job said this in chapter 14, that God knows the very month when we're out of here. So you and I, wouldn't it be good to actually have a little bit of understanding to find out, God, what's your plan that you have for me? And it's good and it's powerful. But also on top of this, God's given us gifts. He's given us a calling. We all have the same calling. Our gifts vary, but we have one call. What's our unified call? Is to advance his kingdom on this earth. To build his church. To move his kingdom. To spread his gospel across the land. That is our call. But then how do we go about that? You have different giftings. Right? Some of us are great on microphones, some are great on the drums, some are great of us on the soundboard, some are great with tech stuff, some are great at the front door, some are great serving kitchen, some are great. There's a vast variety of these gifts. But again, if you and I would submit these gifts, these gifts that we have are not for us. The gift that you have, who is it for? It's for the body. Now, you and I, your gift, as we said, is not our personal use. But in fact, if we would use our gifts to fit it in the big plan or the big picture of what God wants to do, our, again, our lives would be changed. So number one is this, that he has a plan for our individual life. And at the same time now, he also has a plan for the church. Okay, this is the big picture. And if we live our lives just focusing on, okay, God, I want to do what you call me to do. That's good and important. But if you and I can learn to submit to the bigger picture of what God wants to do, which is advance the church, it's a bit of a different mindset now. You'll find part not only your calling, but you also see that all those needs and desires will be met in that same time as well. It's so crucial that you and I submit ourselves to the big vision of what God wants to do. And I want to show you what's the big plan that God has. It's in the scripture. I wonder what God wants to do. Read the book of Ephesians. It's all there. Ephesians is probably one of my favorite books in the New Testament. It is wrapped with so much truth. And I want you to turn there. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 9, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. And I want you to see, again, verses 1 through 8 during this time, he's talking about all praise to God. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I mean, God called us before we were ever born. Before I even opened my eyes, God already chose me and loved me in Christ, and he blessed me substantially because I'm in him. Right? We read all that. Then he says, God has now revealed. Can you say that with me? Now revealed. What does it mean? If it's something is revealed, it means before, at once, it was hidden. So what has God got? He had a plan, and he couldn't let anybody know at that time. I mean, if you think about it in the book of Exodus, when Moses yelled out, Lord, show me your glory. 
He says, I can't let you see my face and live. Right? And so what did he do? I'll let you see my backside while I walk past you. And anyways, Moses saw the glory and the goodness and the kindness of God. But yet something was still hidden. Why was it hidden? Because it was, well, we know who it is. It's Jesus. It says, it's not yet. It's not the time. Not the time yet for my son to appear. Not the time yet for my plan to be revealed. You can't know that yet. But all the prophets, you can see that in 1 Peter, they, they talked about it. They heard about this news. They heard about this Messiah. They heard about the one coming who will look just like him. Man, he's on his way. He's on his way. He's on his way. And this is what Paul is saying. Go back to verse 9 there, guys. Ephesians 1.9. He says this. God has now revealed it. Meaning what? His will is that all would know this now has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. What's Christ? It's not Jesus. It's the anointed one and his anointing, but you're part of that. We're going to find out in a sec. What the plan was regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Okay, verse 10. I love the first three or five words in this. And this is the plan. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of language. <laughs> don't put it in secret code. Don't try to you know, heat up the words. i got to find it mysteriously. It's this is the plan. Are you ready? This is what we and this is what heaven is working on right now. This is what heaven's pushing in this earth. And this is why it's crucial that you and I know and understand what heaven wants to do. Okay? This is what heaven wants to do. Are you ready? This is the plan. So... Listen, we, there's 4,000 years before the cross that the prophets and the men and women of God long to know and understand what is God doing. And aren't you thankful in this New Testament that we are part of, God has now revealed it to us, and this is the plan. Some of you already probably read and go, yeah, what's exciting about that? Oh, you'll see. And it says this, at the right time, he will bring everything. Say everything. Everything together under the authority of who? Christ. Everything in heaven and everything on earth. So again, what's the plan? Everything in heaven and everything on this earth will come under the authority of Christ. Who is Christ? We know Jesus is the head. We are what? The body of what? Christ. So all things are going to come under authority under who? You, us, Christ, the anointed body. That's us, y'all. That's what God's planning on doing. Now, let me just skip down here a little bit further. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. I want you to see this because this is what God's building up towards. Is that everything in heaven and everything in earth is going to come under our authority. We are in training ground right now for this position. Now look at this, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read a couple of these verses because I, I would really encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 1, uh, read the whole book through this week. Read it every single day. Read the book of Ephesians, and the Lord will continue to enlighten you on these things. It's crucial, church, that we get this. Darkness has an agenda, and as long as we're trying to just you know, fight that agenda, we're going to miss out what God's trying to do. We've got to be so focused. I want to become more aware of what God is doing than rather what evil is doing so I know how to stop it. Now look at this. When I think of all this, again, talking about how God unified the Jews and the Gentiles into one body, he says, when I think of all this, I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, 
As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Now, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding who? Christ. Not Jesus. Christ. Okay? Those words are crucial. We have to understand. Jesus is the man, and he is the head of Christ. He's the anointed head, correct? We are the body of Christ. So again, when he says, you understand my, my insight into the mystery regarding Christ. Not talking Jesus. He's talking about the plan of God. And you see this in Colossians. What is the, the mystery of God? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is a big deal. It's not Jesus' last name. It's not something that he, you know, he does once in a while. It's, he's the head of the anointed body, but we're the body. Okay, now let's continue on. Verse 5. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has. Say with me, he has. He has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. This is something that I'm just crying out, God, enlighten me. Help me see this. Verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both the Gentiles and the Jews who believe the good news, they share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. That's good news right there. That's huge. What do you have? You have an inheritance because you are now God's child. And those are what we talk about, all the promises of God, all the blessings of God, everything that he did in Christ as our substitute, those are the blessings, those are the promises. And he says, you now share. That's your inheritance. It belongs to you. You don't need to beg for healing. Why? Because by his stripes you were healed. It's part of the agreement. It's part of the inheritance. He gave it to you. And every Tuesday night we're talking about that inheritance at here at 645. Come, because you'll get to know more about it. Now, both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, verse 7. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless, endless, say it with me, endless, endless what? Treasures available to them in Christ. That's me. That's you. Endless. It's endless. Now what do we got to do? We have to understand what the endless things are. Now verse 9. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Aren't you thankful that this apostle Paul turned his life over to the Lord? (laughs) One day you're going to meet him. And I'm going to go, thank you, thank you, thank you. I learned so much from you. You go, how did you do that? Through your word, through the scriptures that God enlightened you in. I'm so thankful for these verses. Now look at this, verse 10. Here it is. God's purpose. Ready? God's purpose is in all of this was to use the church. Who's the church? Us. To use you. To use me. To use your children. To use your children's children. To what? To display or to make visible, to declare, to show off his wisdom in its variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's what you're called to do. So verse 11, it says, this was his eternal plan. 
which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So now God designed the church to be in the know of what he's doing to reveal his wisdom. Now, the reason I have to, I have to lay this out for you and I, because we could just jump in and start talking about authority, but when we submit to the great purpose of what we're here for, I'm, the, I'm part of the church. You're part of the church. So what's my calling? My calling is to display the wisdom of God, not just to the natural things here. Yeah, that's taking place, but into the unseen realms. And when I begin there, because what the unseen realm is, is the eternal realm. Can we see heaven right now? No. Can you see the devils and all the things that they're doing? No. But you and I are supposed to display the wisdom of God in the unseen realm. So we have got to learn how to operate in an unseen kingdom. And we do that by speaking. Now, okay, right now we are training to take the place of those principalities and powers that are operating in the heavens at this moment. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 talks about, remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but who do we fight against? The principalities, the powers, the might and dominion, or sorry, the rulers of darkness in this world. They are, where are those principalities in darkness? Where do they operate from? Not hell. Satan's not in hell right now. Where does he operate? He operates in the second heaven. Bible talks about three types of heaven. The heavens, which is our you know, beautiful sky that we can see. Then there's the second heaven, which we call the, the universe when we're out here. And then we have the third heaven, which God resides and where God lives. God is there. Now, where Satan and his fallen angels operate, they operate in the heavenly realms. Meaning that's why you're seeing all the corruption, you're seeing all the, the garbage that's going on in different nations across the world. And where are they? Because they're allowed to operate from there. They bring confusion from that place. But at one point, I mean, we are obviously, we're far above that. But before I do go further, you and I, at some point, what we're training for right now is actually when they get kicked out of that heavenly realm, you and I fulfill that spot. We're going to be running those nations. I mean, not just this world. I believe, why is Pluto way existence way over there? Maybe it's going to be populated one day and you got to run it. Where are you going to run it from? On the ground? No, you got to operate from this realm. So I, you have to understand the church is a big deal in the mind and in the eyes of God. So when you read this word, I guess Satan's just taking over. I guess this is all it. Let's just call it in and hold on and pray just for God to come and get us. No, 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 no. You've got to understand who you are because you are in Christ Jesus and what he gave us because we're in Christ Jesus. It's a big deal. And here's the thing. God needs our cooperation. The same way that my body needed to operate and flow with my head. Because my head, I mean, listen, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. So what did I need? I had to kind of drag myself out of bed and kind of get myself going. What does it mean? My head wants to do things, but my body's, ugh. And as long as the body is still kind of, ugh, and Jesus has got plans, he is unable to do what he wants to do in this earth because there's not a body to do it with. So you and I, even though the plan of God is beautiful, it's amazing, you and I have got to learn to cooperate with the head to fulfill what he wants to do in Red Deer, what he wants to do in your job, what he wants to do in Alberta, what he wants to do in this nation. It's a full cooperation. Okay. Is that okay? We're doing all right? Okay. Now, if I'm called to carry out his plan and purpose on this earth, then I have to have the same authority as he does. Right? It's not heresy. It's what blasphemy. 
Well, the religious folk don't like this kind of stuff, but we, when we read our Bible, we can find out it's true. If he wants me to do what he's called me to do on this earth, and I'm supposed to carry out what he tells me to do, I have to have authority in order to fulfill it. See? Okay, now, let's talk about the source of authority here for a moment. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1 here. But first and foremost, we have authority because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's where it absolutely comes into existence. I have no authority apart from that. Now, when, did a, when does a Christian experience or can now start operating in authority? The moment they come into contact with Calvary. The moment you say, Jesus, you are Lord of my heart, you are Lord of my life, at that moment, you have been granted and given the authority of Jesus. <laughs> Yay! You know, I want to just throw, just want to throw this out there. We'll probably get to this sometime. I was listening to a, a, another minister, and I, I just appreciate this, this gentleman. And one of the statements he made was that a lot of times people look so much and they, he's so anointed, they're so anointed. Oh, he's anointed, she's anointed. Oh, man, that group is just anointed. Sure, that's, that's true, that's great. But a lot of times when you see in the scriptures, when we talk so much about anointing, look at it a little bit this way. Just see it as these people know how to walk in their authority. Because a lot of what Jesus did, oh, he was just so anointed. Yeah, he was. He was the anointed man on this earth. But you could also see this way. He just walked in his God-given authority because he knew who he was. So rather than just thinking, oh, there, it's just the anointed people. It's just for the platform. No, 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 no. You have been given that same authority because you are in Christ Jesus and he's on the inside of you. So you and I, we've got to understand our authority because, again, what God wants to do, Ephesians, always keep, when you read the scriptures, when you read what God wants to do or what he's done for you, always keep in mind, he saved me, not just so I miss hell and go to heaven. That's great and woo, praise God. But there's a higher thought that he has. What's his thought? He wants to use you. Now, to display the wisdom of God to the unseen world. He wants you to start speaking and actually to endorse the victory that Jesus has already had. That's what you're here for. Because why isn't Jesus coming down and kicking Satan in the teeth and get him out of, out of Canada? He's already done it. So what has he done? He's now given it to his church. Church, you make sure this happens. So it's a bit of a militant mindset that he has. You have to think government now a little bit with God. That's who he is. Okay, let's continue on here. Ephesians 1, 19. Let's turn here for a sec. But when the Lord Jesus, the captain of my salvation, was raised from the dead, the act of resurrection was accomplished through the exceeding greatness of his power toward... I really want you to see this. Don't just read this verse and move on it. But the whole act of his resurrection, the powerful work, the captain of my salvation, it was accomplished through the exceeding greatness of God's power to usward who believe. I have a different translation. It says, according to the working of the strength of his might. Now, I want you just to look at four key words in this. Number one is this, is the word power, which is the word dunamis in the Greek. And we get the word dynamite from. Okay, I meant remember who's doing this work, the exceeding greatness of his his dunamis, his dynamite 
toward us who believe. Second word is this, according to the working. You see that word working? That's what the word, you know, uh, in Greek it's energian, and it's where we get high energy, high intensive energy. Like put a billion Red Bulls into somebody, high intensive energy. Okay? It's a lot of voltage going on in here. Then the next word is of the strength, which is the word kratos, which just really talks about God flexing. The strength of his might, the ability to accomplish anything. And that's the Greek word, ishkus. It's literally all Greek to me. I have no... You pronounce it I-S-C-H-U-O-S. Ishkus. So, but I want you to notice, I mean, I, but besides my poor enunciation, but the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, required these four words of significant importance to bring out one thought. Ready? Here's the thought that the resurrection of Jesus is the mightiest work recorded in the Word of God. When God raised Jesus from the dead, it's the most powerful work we find in Scripture of God having to do something with power, with might, with muscle. When He created the heavens and the earth, there was nobody coming after Him. That's why He could just, it says that He could use the fingers and put stars in place. But when He had to get Jesus from the dead and not just Him, who did He also get? He had to reach down into that grave and it says with his right arm, he had to pull up his son and sons and daughters from the dead. Man, it's a powerful thing. This resurrection, and what did he do? Sorry, before I go on. God raised Jesus from the dead and where did he put him? At his own right hand. This resurrection was opposed, go to Ephesians 1.21, by the tremendous powers of the air. And he said this, all principality, all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, listen, not only in this age, but also in the one which is to come. This, these, these powers right here were coming against God as he was raising his son, raising you and I from the dead. And notice this, not only in the one that we are in, but also in the powers that were to come. Devil didn't just own this planet, what we're doing. He owned the ages that were yet to come. Times beyond this beyond just our lives here, beyond and further down and further down and further down, there was already principalities and powers that are going, sweet, I already got this made up. God had to fight all of that off, had to use his mighty strength, and when he pulled Jesus up from the dead, he said, today you have become my son. Sit down in this place of authority, and now this is where Jesus operates from, from this seat at the right hand of the Father, this is the most powerful place in our galaxy, is at the right hand of the Father. And so Jesus right now, with all power, with all authority, operates from that realm. But here's the good news. You're going to find this. <clears throat> now, when did I receive the same authority? Go back to Ephesians 1.19 here for a sec. The immeasurable and unlimited exceeding greatness of His power... Look at these, th these four words. Toward us who believe. Say with me. I believe. I believe. So this power, this exceeding greatness of his power 
is towards me. Why? Because I believe it. Come on, say it. I believe it. Your words on that is huge. I believe this with all my heart. Not just, oh, that sounds really good. The moment I said, Jesus, you are my Lord, I believe that you raised him from the dead. I believe you raised me from the dead as well. The moment I say those words, guess what? That same power is already operating. Even if you don't believe it, it's still available. And that's what makes it so sad is that the whole body of Christ has this tremendous, exceeding power available to them. But here's the thing, to you who believe. So he qualifies it by saying these words to us word, who believe. Now, let's look at this for a moment. The cross of Christ, the obedience that it revealed to God, the atonement for sin, the crushing defeat of the enemy shows us a representative man overcoming for all mankind and preparing through his own sacrifice a throne and a heavenly ministry for those who would overcome through him. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised me too. He raised the head. You see that in Ephesians 1? Jesus is called the head of the church. He raised the head. Well, guess what? You don't just raise your head. What else do you do? You raise your body. And he lifted up his body and put the body in the same place where the head is. Where is the head? At the right hand of the Father. Where's the body? At the right hand of the Father. In the same place, in the same position, with the exact same authority because of what God did in Christ Jesus. But it's available to who? To us who believe. It has to be qualified. Every born-again child of God, doesn't matter if they're aware of it or not, they have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living strong and mighty on the inside of them. Well, I'm not seeing a whole lot because you don't believe it. Well, no, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. It would be seen. Your life would be completely different. So don't blame my experience because I'm not, well, I'm not seeing anything. You can't put it on experience. you got to go back to the Word. The Word says the exceeding greatness of His power is towards those who believe. I believe it. I believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. I, I believe that. Now let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Verse 2, just like the rest of the world, obeying who? No, I didn't obey the devil. Yeah, huh? No, yeah, huh? Yeah, huh? We all did. All obeyed him. Well, how did we obey him? Well, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, he is the spirit now at work. He is constantly at work. Where? In the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. The world, they're stuck in sin. Well, they're just a bunch of sin. They're stuck. There is a spirit that's at work. See, we can't just make everything just so natural. Oh, they just got a lot of problems. Oh, yeah, they're just stupid, stupid, stupid. Oh, you know, that's what they did. You know, they used to do this. They used to, and that's why they got all these problems. Yeah, I understand. There's some personal responsibility. Absolutely. But don't forget that this world that we're operating in came from a spirit being. You are more spirit than you are flesh. we got to believe that. This earth is more spiritual than it is just natural. It came from a spirit being. That's what I mean by that. It's, it's crucial that we get this because as long as we keep humanizing things, and the world's good at just humanizing everything, but sadly, a lot of the church folk humanize things too. Oh, that's just my Irish anger. It's just what we do. We just get mad at things. 
Or it's just you can blame any kind of culture. I don't mean to pick out the Irish. That's the first thing that came to head. I love the Irish. For whoever's watching, er, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? We humanize things so quick. It's just, oh, this is my background. I come from this country. I come from that country. This is what they said about me. We just humanize this stuff and not realizing that there is a devil that is at work. And what we can see here, that he is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So as long as we keep humanizing it, we're stuck. But aren't you thankful that you've been illuminated in your heart and in your mind to what the Word of God has to say that, hey, man, I accepted Jesus Christ. <gasps> I became alive. I could start to see. I was stuck in sin. I was stuck in all that. There is a spirit that's at work. Now, verse 3, it says, All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. It says, by our nature, which was, what, on the inside? Our nature is the spirit being. Before we had Jesus, we were dead folk, right? Spiritually dead. The anger of God was coming toward us, right? We were all subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Aren't you thankful it doesn't stop there? God's anger is coming. You can get a good kick of the pants real quick. But then verse 4 comes along the way. But God. Come on, say it with me. But God. So rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life. When? When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by grace that you and I have been saved. In verse 6, this is where the wild hogs eat, y'all. Verse 6, he says, for he has. What is that, past, present, or future tense? This, sorry, he, ha he has raised us. He raised us, other translations, he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him. In the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's the seat. And there is a place in God the devil dare not go. And it's that spot. He wants that spot. He wanted that spot. That's why he rebelled and took a third of the angels with them. Is because he wanted what you got. Joint seating. 1 Corinthians 6.17 tells us that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I'm connected to him. Whatever the head's got, I got. Right. Woo! And what his head got? The head's got the best seat in the house. Guess where he seated me? Right along with him. In the highest place of authority. This is where we operate from. Now, what is authority? Authority, if just looking at the simple dictionary, it says the power or the right to give orders and make decisions. Now, again, this authority, the more we, authority we walk in is based on how submitted we are to the big vision that God has for the church. Yes. It's crucial. The mandate that God has, what did he tell the church to do? Mark chapter 16, go ye into all the world, preach this gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, drink anything deadly, will not harm you. All of those things, that's the big purpose what God has for his church is to go out and preach this gospel. Yes. Right? So the more submitted I am to heaven's plan, the more authority I can operate in. Can, can you see that? 
It's the same way. I mean, it would be crazy to have a rogue police officer just doing whatever he wants to do, making up new laws. Bang, you're dead. For what? I don't know. Just wanted to do it today. It won't work. The authority won't be given to him. They're there to enforce natural law, correct? So you and I have to even view yourself as a spiritual being. I'm here to now enforce spiritual law. And here's the thing, y'all. We got to know what spiritual law is. Otherwise, how do you know what to enforce? I'm just following the sequence here a little bit. If I don't know what the spiritual laws are, and I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, that Jesus has delivered us from the Ten Commandments, but I need to, like, there's a law of faith. There's a law of truth. There's a law of healing. There's laws concerning prosperity. There's laws concerning grace. There's laws on all of these things, the promises of God. There's a law to it. And this is why a lot of people kind of get frustrated because they go, well, God's just sovereign. Whatever he wants to do, he'll just do it. Yes, God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he's put laws in place that he himself cannot violate. He loves you so much, he's got healing all over for you. But if you don't operate by the law of healing and take the authority and understand how it works, you'll never see it. What? How come I'm not seeing? You have to know the law. How does the law work? We know faith works by love. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Have you forgiven that person? No, that person did this. It doesn't work. It's not like you're just bad Christian, bad Christian. No, 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 no. That's not how God is. God's got laws. There's laws concerning everything about the promises of God. And when I know what the law says concerning healing, for example, and I operate it, I can start to experience it in my life. Make sense? So we've got to understand. I've been given, yes, the authority, but I have to know what the laws are. Because when I know the laws, I can start to operate in it. Now, let's continue on here for a moment. What is authority? Authority is delegated power. And let me just go back to this as an example. You've probably heard many times, but I want to use it again. But what gives the police officer, let's just use that illustration. If they were to stand in the middle of a big, you know, you know, coming out of a game or a hockey game or something like that. Usually they have a police officer on duty. And what are they doing? They're controlling traffic. Even though the lights may be going green, yellow, red, all that stuff. The cop is out there. What is he doing? He's stopping some and he's making others go. What gives him the right to do this? And you stop. Because can he stop you? Physically, naturally, not a chance. I got a charger, man. Yes, I got car seats in the back. Yes, there's probably some, you know, goldfish laying on the floor. But hey, I may be, may be dirty on the inside, but on the outside, I make people think I look real, real bad on the outside. But can he stop me naturally or physically? No. So what, how on earth, why am I stopping for that? Because I recognize authority. And what's going to happen There's what's backing him up? All the powers of the RCMP, the, the police, the city of police, whatever it is in the particular city, they're backing up with their power to enforce certain rules. And if I disobey it, well, I get a ticket or something like that. So that's how this works. Well, the same way, you and I, we've got to stand in our authority. Don't just think, oh, they're so anointed. No, no, no. I know who I am. I know what God has given me. I'm just now releasing my authority on that. No, that can't happen. And what happens? The devil recognizes authority and he has to flee. I submit to God. Resist the devil. Not a chance are you allowed to do that. What happens? He has to leave or run in stark terror. Law. 
So what is authority? It is delegated power. We see this in the life of Jesus regularly, that he gave his authority to his disciples. You see that quite often, right? So look at this. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. I want you to really just take some time going even through the Gospels and finding this. When you're done reading Ephesians, look through some of these verses again. But verse 1, it says this, that Jesus summoned together his 12 apostles and imparted to them what? He gave them authority over what? Come on, y'all, let's read that. Over how many demons? <laughs> oh, can you just now look at it from a, just take off your natural glasses here for a sec. You see now just this spiritual being that came, God came down in flesh. And now what is he operating? He's operating as one anointed by the Spirit of God. And now he's taking what he has and he's giving it to 12 other men. And they're walking around and this, this authority that he's operating in is authority over every demon. What did demons do when they saw Jesus? Mark chapter 5 comes to mind. When they finally crossed over the city, Jesus finally plants himself. And what happens? This demon recognized him, ran out, and just started squealing, Son of David, are you come to destroy us before the time? Like freaking out, losing their minds because they saw Jesus coming. Oh, shoot, here he is. Lord, don't just cast us out. Put us in the pigs or something. Put us in the pig. They were freaked out. By the, just the sight or just the sound of Jesus' feet hitting the dirt in that country, they went, shoot, something's here. Someone's here. So, wait, 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 what is this? And Jesus said, get out of the man. They recognized authority. That same authority, Jesus said to his disciples, now you go with it, and you have authority over every demon and the power to heal every disease. Oh, not COVID, though. That's just too big. Every, every disease. And how did they do it? With the authority. So look at verse 2. Then he commissioned them to preach God's kingdom realm and to heal the sick to demonstrate what? That the kingdom has arrived. What is healing? It's a signal to show that the kingdom of God is here. One kingdom is going at this time, it's depleting, and a new kingdom with a new administration, with a new mandate, with a new authority is coming into place, and it gets rid of every disease. Amen. <sighs> then he says, as he sent them out, and then, of course, he gave them these instructions, and he told them, you know, what to carry, what not to take, how to, you know, if they don't respect you or if they don't take you in, you dust the, you dust the dirt off and you keep going on. Your job is to continue to preach. Then look at that, look at Luke chapter 10. uh, Verse 1, it says, then again, after after all this, not only did he send the 12, then he says, the Lord just formed 35 teams among the other disciples. Each team had two disciples. So it's, you do the math, of 70 people, 70 in all, and he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town he was about to visit. So these disciples, they went out and they did the same thing, the authority to cast out demons, the authority to heal the sick. They did all of that. They came back to Jesus after a season. And in verse 17, look at this. It says, when the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were... Woo! This is what I'm talking about. They were ecstatic with joy. Why? Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. These guys weren't even born again yet. The Spirit of God didn't even live on the inside of them yet. 
What did Jesus give them? He gave them there with his authority. It says, go do this. How much more, church, that we blood-bought, filled with the Holy Ghost, know have the Word of God able to do exceedingly more than what these gentlemen did just simply because we have the Spirit of God now on the inside of us. Woo! That's who you is. That's the authority you got. Verse 18, Jesus replied, While you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell from heaven like lightning to the ground. (laughs) What is Satan doing? No! (laughs) Losing his mind. Why? Because he has to obey and fall to the knee of the authority of Jesus. (laughs) All right, now verse 19. This is the gooder. Are you ready? If you're ready to go for a little jog, this is the one. Verse 19, and Jesus says this, now you understand, so listen church, we got to get this. In these days that we're living in, we have got to understand who we are, what we've received, what Jesus is doing inside of us. You, that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. Say it with me, I have been given the authority to trample his kingdom. Woo. Then he says, you will trample upon, come on, say that E word with me. I love it. Every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Every power Satan possesses. Every power Satan possesses. What does he have? Don't matter. I have been given authority that tramples over top of it. Then he says, absolutely no thing. Or if you like to put it in one word, nothing. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. This is it. Absolutely what? Nothing is able to harm me, my family, when I'm operating and walking in this authority. But here's the thing. I have to not only know it, but I got to believe it. The same way that a police officer understands that he's got authority, he can tell me to stop no matter how cool my car is. He'd stop. Okay. The same authority. No, no, no. That, That strife, shut up right now. Stops right here. And believe it. Okay, verse 20, it says, however, now he's just speaking again, these disciples, he, they're jumping up and down. They're going, Jesus, are you kidding me? This is what I'm talking about. I bet you they're chest bumping each other and just, just going, this is, what, this is what I'm talking about. They're getting excited. But he says, now hold on a sec. Your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority. Huh? That's normal. That should be the norm for us. He says, but why should you be ecstatic and joyfully celebrating that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom? This is the true source of your authority. That right there reveals to me that every child of God right here has the authority that Jesus purchased for them. Right there, do you see that? This is the true source of authority. That what? That my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That my name is written in the journals of heaven that I belong to. That's the source of my authority. Well, how do I see it more activated? I have to understand how these laws operate. Got to understand what I need to do. Because again, it's not just me wanting to use some authority. I have got to be led by the Spirit of God at the same time. You can't just say, well, I'm going to tell that to stop. Well, hold on a sec. You got to get the witness on the inside. Because in and of ourselves, 
We ain't nothing. Right? John 15 just clearly really goes over that. Apart from me, you can do not a thing. So he says, you stay close to me, stay united to me, and I'll stay united to you. And what's going to happen? You can ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. So what's that? It's all relationship. It's all based on a relationship. Lord, what do I do about this situation? What, what do I need to say to this individual who's dealing with sickness? What, what do I need to do? Because a lot of times we just try to wait. I'm going to, in the name of Jesus, come on, God. No, what is he telling you to do? Because for some, it may be you need to go to bed earlier. I've had that many times. That's just, okay, well, Lord, I'm just dealing with something. I'm going to, in the name of Jesus, you start taking authority. He says, go to bed. <laughs> no, Lord, I'm going to stay up all night and cast this stupid demon out and give him a rope. Go to bed. That's the word. So it may sound real anointing. Oh, I'm going to just stay up and battle. No, 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 no. What did he tell you to do? If he told you to bed, that is the most spiritual thing you can do. <laughs> cool? All right. Glad we're all on the same page. And the last verse here I want to just share. But you can, just from the very beginning, this is what God had in mind for us since the beginning of time. God never designed for us just to be subjects and he can just have that and do whatever he wants with us and, you know, just the sovereign God just pulling levers and, you know, answering prayers once in a while. That's never been his agenda. Love wants inclusion. He wants you in to be part of what he's doing. That's why he created this whole thing. It's a family kingdom that he wanted. Now, in Psalm 3, I'm just going to give you the closing remarks on this. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 through 8. The psalmist says, look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask you this question. <laughs> okay? Some believe these are, this is an angel talking to the Lord. They're going like, look, God, Wow. Look, look at this, all these, the moon, the stars, like the galaxy. Anybody, I've been looking at it the past little bit, not yesterday because it was crazy rain, but during the days, just looking at it going like, man, this is amazing. These stars, and he just put them in there. And so this, again, this angel's doing something similar. Wow, God, look at all this. But he said, with all this amazing, I have to ask you a question. And what's the question? Why would you bother with puny mortal men or care about human beings. That's verse 4. Verse 5 says, Yet what honor you have given to men created only a little lower than Elohim. That's God himself. Created a little lower than God. <laughs> you are very high up on the food chain. A little lower than Elohim. And then he says, he's crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. Then verse 6, you have delegated to them mastery over all that you've made, making everything subservient to their authority. Whose authority? This entire planet. Who has the authority in it? God's in control. No, he's not. You made everything subservient to their authority. It's under mine. <laughs> Placing earth itself under the feet 
of your image bearers. Verse 7, all the created order and every living thing of this earth, sky, and sea, the wildest beasts and all the sea creatures, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Where did we come from? Adam. Well, Eve. Adam and Eve. We came from that. And he's saying, everything that we see is under our authority. Now, keep in mind, what is God wanting to do in this day and this age? Especially with all the chaos that this world is in. He would say that God would say this too in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, I believe. Those who are called by my name. Notice he doesn't put the responsibility of the nations and the deliverance of nations, the deliverance of people in the hands of government. Sorry to burst your religious bubble. That ain't the case. They can help. I mean, there's godly people that are in office and they, they have a role to play. Absolutely. But that does not just all of a sudden negate you're in my responsibility as the church. We have a part to play in this whole thing. And for you and I, we've got to learn to take that seat. Because in that position, you and I can command, demand, and change the unseen forces which have influence in this natural world. That's why the Bible tells us don't fight against flesh and blood. Why? That's not your fight. What's my fight? To us, we're who believe. I believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Why would I waste that on just some kind of natural thing that can be fixed at a higher level? I'm not going to just fix the fruit. I'm going to go to the root of the matter, and I'm going to work and defeat that enemy. Where he is, needs to be put out. Listen, he's already defeated. All we have to do is occupy that seat. All right, well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you this morning again so thankful that you have given us the authority to walk in boldly in this earth. Jesus, we ask you with all of a sincere heart and everything inside of us, God, teach us. I'm asking you, sir, as pastoring this church, Father, open up our eyes to see this. We want to be your yes church. We are your yes people in this city, in this time, and in this space. So God, we're asking you, open up our eyes to see it. Open up our ears to see it. I, I, I ask you for this, sir. We're not just playing religious games. We want to operate in what you've purchased for us. You pay too high of a price for us to be ignorant of the authority you gave us. So Jesus, I'm asking you this, sir. Open up it. Open it up on the inside of us. Let it become real that we start living this way, not just once in a while, but we start operating from this seat for our families. We start operating in this seat for our government. We start operating in this seat for our city, for our province, for our nation. Lord, we take that seat that you've given us. And from this position of authority right now, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our city in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over Edmonton, over Parliament, over our province. Father, we thank you that you continue to pour out your spirit. You continue to lead men and women that have godly counsel, godly advice. Father, we thank you for that spirit that causing division. In the name of Jesus, we give you no access into this church building. No access. It stops right here at those front doors. Father, we also plead the blood of Jesus. There is no COVID that is allowed to touch foot or even come around this area in the name of Jesus. Well, can you do that? Absolutely we can. That's our place. That's our authority. 
Come on, can we just stand up together for a moment? Let's just take our place for our families. I want you to do that too now as husbands, wives, as maybe you're single, you're just here. Well, right now, just take authority over your own home. Go ahead, Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We take our place, husband, wife, in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over marriages. Thank you, Father, for your protection over marriages. Thank you for your counsel. Father, I also want to thank you. We plead the blood of Jesus over children. Thank you, Lord, that you have us in the palm of your hand and no devil, no evil, no harm can come near our children. They are protected and nothing by any means shall harm you. Nothing by any means shall harm you. So we just take that place. Thank you for that, Lord. We just receive that. And we call it healed. We call them blessed. Thank you. Um, just as we're clo- just before Julian comes to close, I just want to um, just express this for some that maybe this message on authority may grate on some of your religious thinking or maybe newer to you. Um, or for those of you who have heard it, well, we get to just get even more solid in it. I just want to remind you, like, today was the start of a new series, right? Today we're pressing in. This is what God has directed Pastor Joel to do. He's been waiting for this series to begin. So it requires something of us as well. And I, I see us like this as a church. It's time for us to be on the edge of our seats in our spirits and dig in. It's a time of study, if you're not one, um, you know, to study the word, I want to encourage you, get on this email list that we have because every Wednesday we send out these notes that were preached, which are just an incredible study tool. And so I feel the Lord reminding us we're, we're entering, entering into a more um, focused, on-purpose, intensive study time as Impact Life Church, right? So I hope that you agree with that in your spirit as well. And if some of the stuff you heard today, like, if that was just... Just start with one of the scriptures that you heard today. Because this started us on a new path for Impact Life Church. So.